Hey all you witches. So this week on the Thirsty Witches Society, I'm going to make up for lost time because I have to explain to you guys, I guess basically, uh, why I haven't been around lately. And that has been because I've been extremely exhausted and tired, but also I've had to do a ton of self-care and recovery and healing um, because I got just a lot of craziness that kind of had hit me lately and I didn't realize how much it was like really taking a toll on me until I started to, you know, pay attention to the different hints and clues and things like that that were just putting themselves out there in front of me. And, you know, I've recorded about this a few times and decided I wasn't going to put it out there or had like some audio issues or whatever. And so I am just going to see what happens when I do it this time and kind of just put it all out there because I feel like I'm getting more messages from different things and I'm now starting to see things, understand them, not be afraid of them as much. And I think with all of that being said, I'm really starting to tune into some stuff that is really needing to be done and seen and, you know, I... I can do what I can do, and that's about it. So one thing that I do want to go ahead and say is that I have um, had some things that have, you know, disappeared and reappear, and things that weren't mine show up and then disappear. And so one of those being a book um, called Sister of Darkness. And I think I've talked about this on some of the stuff before, but this book kept on just showing up like the title did and everything and so then I started feeling like why am I just drawn to this and so then I ended up finding out that I had the book but then it went missing so then I ended up having to buy the book again and then the it's just been this whole weird thing too where it's like I feel like I need to you know look up this person and so she is um her name is Rachel Davis but she also goes by the screen name of R.H. Davis and she's just a really um amazing person she's an undominational um, exorcist and then the other thing that keeps on showing up everywhere is um, angels and awakening podcast with Julie Jansen and then the other one that keeps on showing up all the time is Stassi Schroeder's and um, what I ended up getting out of all of these like kind of the messages is because like one I definitely have a dark passenger Stassi always talks about you know the dark passenger that she had and how she kind of went through the spiritual cleansing and she feels way lighter and everything's gotten better with her relationships um with Julie Jansen's I like I've heard her podcast um Angels and Awakening and lately I have had phone issues and like different electronical issues to where it just keeps on coming up over and over and over um with Stassi's book I've read it but it just keeps on showing up in my you know in plain sight in my room in my kitchen things like that as I'm kind of moving things around and her podcast keeps on showing up and I keep on seeing stuff in you know my social media and then with R.H. Davis like the book just keeps on appearing and appearing and appearing and I'll get to some parts of the book and I'll get like violently ill and you know have these flashes of things I'm also getting lots of premonitions um, and so I feel like everything is just really turning very powerful on me, which I, I'm appreciative of. Um, don't get me wrong, very appreciative, but it is a lot. It is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so Knight Rider has been over at our house a lot lately doing some, um, demo and construction for Voodoo Ranger's office. <clears throat> and, uh, Tequila Marie came out on Friday night 
and her and Knight Rider drink pretty much like half a bottle of um, Trader Joe's tequila while working around the house and stuff. And Tequila Marie hasn't came out this strong in a while. And I mean, she was pretty unfazed until the Dark Passenger came out. And then it was like, okay. And she came out so hard with her Dark Passenger that Voodoo Ranger had to turn off the water in the house because she wouldn't get out of the bathtub. And what we had found out recently was that somebody had opened a portal in our bathtub when we were younger and we had moved into the house. We used to party a lot. And we had this one person that had came over and he had helped us move into the house, but he had also helped us move into the house um, with his truck before we had actually moved in because he had a vehicle. And he was kind of into some dark stuff. He had had some dark um, passengers of his own, I guess you could say. And this totally does not surprise um, Voodoo Ranger or I now that we have hindsight of it. But basically what we think had happened was, um, or what we were told is that he had opened a portal in the bathtub for like his own strength because that was like a dark thing that he went to for like strength and he was in a dark place and he, you know, needed some help. But for him, he could control it. He also was pretty um, fucked up at the time on a lot of like, I guess drugs and stuff. So he didn't necessarily close the portal or maybe he didn't want to close the portal. He wanted to be able to access it easily. I don't know. But apparently we had some stuff that then got kind of possessed in our house. One of them being um, a few musical instruments, things like that, that people kind of end up coming to when they have addiction. A lot of musicians do. So like use things. Um, cameras that I have gotten from like estate sales that are like old time cameras um just different stuff like that so I had to do some really heavy cleansing um I had to do some cleansing with a lot of um just resins and sage and palo santo and just asking things to leave and then what we realized was um probably like a year ago or so um I started becoming obsessed with the bathtub and it was like the place I would go all the time. Every time I would get sick and I would have issues regulating my body temperature and stuff like that. And at a certain point I was getting like violently ill all the time. Um, I wouldn't be able to like eat, things like that. And it was like, at a certain point, um, you know, I could tell that Voodoo Ranger was pretty scared. Like, he wasn't sure what was going on, but there was no rhyme or reason, like, for me to, you know, throw up the way it was, and we were thinking it was, like, food allergies or intolerances to things, so we started doing food mapping and stuff like that, and I started to get scared of actually, like, eating at certain points because it seemed like anything I ate um, would give me a reaction besides, like, a few items, and so I would be, like, pretty much on, like, salty vinegar-type things and that had been like you know waves throughout my past history where I would just eat like pickles and olives and like just very like salty vinegary things and it would be like the only thing I could handle like salt and vinegar chips um and so we started to like end up having that happen again and a lot of voodoo rangers um strengths and stuff is he takes care of me like he's my guardian I'm a very like I'm very small compared to him and so he can physically like pick me up and take care of me and he's just you know a very strong person in a lot of ways and I'm a very emotional person and he's a very rational person and just very straightforward so 
when me and um, when me and Knight Rider hang out, we end up being kind of a little bit more of just the free-spirited. So we go through this half a bottle of tequila, and then Knight Rider end up, ends up going home, and the dark passenger comes out, and she, you know, eats a bunch of food and stuff, and, you know, Tequila Marie's still there, which is like the fun person, but Dark Passenger's like in the backseat, like hanging out. So he kind of sees that this is turning and he's like, oh my God, okay. So he ends up having to do like, you know, turn off the water. I pass out, next morning wake up completely like not feeling anything, don't know why he's like turned off the water and I'm like slightly pissed off because I'm like, I wasn't that drunk, blah, blah, blah. But then I look at the bottle, I'm like, oh man, maybe I was pretty drunk. And it's like, I didn't feel that bad at all. Um, so we end up, you know, talking and stuff. And he's like, Dark Passenger came out. And that was, it's been a while. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Dark Passenger has not came out in a really long time. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird when Dark Passenger comes So the dark passenger comes out, apparently, and I am just kind of like, what the actual, and he was like, yeah, like, I mean, she came out late, and uh, she came late to the game, and she came strong, and he was like, and she, you know, wasn't quite as forceful as she used to be, and I definitely, you know, saw it, but he was like, she came out, like, later in the game to where, like, no one really saw it coming, and I'm like, really? And it was kind of one of those things where it was like, once I, like, once I was done drinking for the evening, eating food, doing all that stuff, she wanted to still keep on partying. And it wasn't that she wanted to drink more. She wanted to get in the bathtub and sweat the shit out to like reprocess it and get fucked up, which is totally not, you know, what I would normally want to do. Um, and so it was interesting because we kind of put the, the thing together because, you know, I wouldn't normally want to go ahead and reprocess that. And that's how I kind of ended up originally getting really messed up. So when Knight Rider came over that morning, I was like, hey, so uh, <laughs> Tequila Marie got really crazy last night, apparently. He was like, yeah. And I showed him the ball. He was like, dang. He was like, when did she? And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Like, apparently she uh, wanted to party like real hardcore and uh, it must have been after you know uh, Knight Rider ended up turning off the water and he was like oh dang and I was like yeah I was super pissed when I woke up because I really wanted to shower and get like all the funk and weirdness off of me and you know like cleanse myself of all that and he was like yeah no I can understand he was like but yeah can't can't be going and pulling a, a craziness like that one and you know I think it's one of those things where both um Foodie Ranger and I had watched What's Eating Gilbert Grape when we were, you know, growing up. And one of the scenes in there is the fact that, you know, he's in the bathtub where he gets hypothermia, but he could have also drowned and like amongst multiple other issues. And so when Dark Passenger comes out, Dark Passenger is like a whole different level. The other thing is, is I have kind of spoke a little bit about um, 
we've had a lot of stuff that has happened kind of in the past few years in our neighborhood and stuff. And one of them, I will just call her Methany. And the reason why I call her Methany is because Methany was really into meth. And I don't like to use people's real names, obviously, so Methany it is. Um, and at one point, Methany apparently turns into Heather Heroin, which just really like ups the ante of the story. And so at this point, she basically hates me. Like she has stolen my car because the times that Methany likes to do her business is the times that I go to work, which is, you know, kind of a dark hour. And so not a lot of good things happen usually at that hour. But, you know, if you are a good person, you can maybe be caught seeing some stuff that um, you maybe shouldn't be seeing. And I think also the other thing is, is um, at a certain point, people just start collecting evidence and other people get afraid of what evidence they're collecting. And especially when they're on drugs, you know, paranoia sets in, things like that. So long story short, she basically ended up having um, a personal vendetta against me. And so anyone that usually, you know, does a lot of drugs and is into a lot of different activities, those things catch up to them. And that, you know, of course happened to Methany as well. And so she, at a certain point, she was no longer our neighbor. And it kind of became the turning point of, okay, I can heal, we can heal, we can like, you know, you started to see the whole neighborhood change. And it was pretty much like we were living in a war zone. And it was absolutely insane. We would have like 50 year old men walking down the street with backpacks, like Hello Kitty backpacks or like Thomas the Truck backpacks, like children's backpacks at like 2.30 to 5 a.m. We would have just all this weird activity. And so it was really odd to see after she left how everything changed in the neighborhood and how it was just serene and quiet. And the neighbors would wave to each other and like talk to each other in passing. And it's just been really amazing. And what's so cool is the person that actually ended up, um, the people that actually ended up moving into the house are awesome. Um, it's a husband and wife that are younger and they are so ambitious and amazing on so many different levels. And so I and the wife really get along quite well. And we have a lot of the same interests and things like that. And last weekend, we um, had been doing some stuff around the house and things like that. And I had gone to run into her and talk with her in the previous weekend. Um, she had um, hurt her back. And so she had text messaged me after finding out what I do for a living. And of course, I wanted to, you know, help her get out of pain. And she just, you know, lives across the street. Um, and I had already planned on giving her a massage earlier in the weekend, um, but our schedules got crazy. We had construction, she had stuff that was going on in her life as well. And so both of us being who we are, being like main focusing on our husbands and wanting to be good wives and be kind of like domesticated on the weekends, um, because a lot of the time we're kind of on our own and we don't really get to see our spouse as much as we'd like to because we're both very busy. 
And so uh, she ended up falling and hurting her back. And so she had reached out and I had given her a massage and we got to know each other and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really, I, this is like the best person that could have ever moved into this house. I mean, I had such a bad association with the house at first because of just what had happened in there and how much hate she had towards me. I mean, this is somebody that like, it got to the point I can't walk to my mailbox unless my husband was standing on the deck uh, watching because they would throw water balloons or shoot paintballs at me. Um, I mean, just like constantly. And the water balloons weren't filled with water. They were usually filled with vinegar or possibly urine, I don't even know. Um, and so it got to the point where like, I lived in a fair bit of fear. Um, and anytime I went outside, they would like verbally assault me. And I would like get to the point where I would have to be on the defensive. And so we had quite a bit of security cameras up. And on one occasion, um, her dog was going after one of the other neighbors and I was on my porch and I saw the neighbor, you know, like get really frightened. So I yelled to re-attention the dog's attention. And so the dog starts coming at me. And as the dog um, starts coming at me, I yell at her because she's, of course, like knows exactly where I am at all times because she has this like hate for me. Um, she starts coming at me and calling me every name in the book and I have cameras up. We have, um, workers at her house. She has movers at her house cause she's getting evicted. And she basically tells me, she like slams a glass bottle on the ground, tells me she's going to stab me in front of all these people. And then says that she's going to hire someone to rape me. And at that point, like, I knew that this person had such a hate for me on such a different level that there was no rational, like, thing I could say. Right at that point, um, a landscaper that we had hired for estimate came up, and he got in between, got me out of there. The police were already called to come on the way. They basically, you know, knew her by first name, told her to stay on her property and to shut up. And from that point, it really got even more crazy. So... I now have this wonderful lady that lives next door that I can't even believe is like the person that gets to move in here. And we just have this amazing connection. And so I got to help her. And it seems like ever since, you know, all of these things have changed, I've had just this great like look on life and everything has been kind of going in a more positive direction. And it seems like now, like I've kind of healed from some of the stuff. I wonder if it was kind of a combination of the portal, the craziness with like aggression with methany and all that stuff. And what other nuttiness was happening in my life that made all this go on? Because now I feel like I'm open to all these messages and things like that, but it's like I'm understanding past things that were going on. So the dark passenger comes out. So it's pretty cool that our new neighbors, you know, have moved in. They have dogs. We have dogs. They're helping us with um, Beaselton Button that is now, you know, quite wily. And so she's been helping me, you know, just understand like how to work with her more. And so it's been amazing with this new kind of light. So it was really odd to have 
you know, Dark Passenger come out with Tequila Marie because it's been a while. Um, and so I ended up, you know, the next day being like, okay, got to cleanse. So did a ton of resin cleansing, did a ton of meditating, did a ton of, you know, different soul cleansing and stuff. And there was a few times where I just got that like, you know, heaviness in my heart, like wanting to cry or anger and things like that. And I'm like, okay, entity attached. And it was interesting because I wasn't leaving the house. So normally if I do leave the house, I can kind of see, you know, some of the different entities and stuff um, or auras and things like that. Now that my third eye is starting to like uncrust and open. Um, the other thing is, is I'm starting to see angels like Archangel Michael and Gabriel. Um, and so it's been, you know, it's been interesting. It's very, very interesting how you can call in an archangel and you can actually have them, like, you can sense them there helping you. Ooh, helping you. So what I thought was very interesting was, um, Knight Rider and I had talked about basically he's going to be going home for the holidays. And so he was going to be driving down for Thanksgiving. And on his way down, he actually stops at, um, crepe keeper's house and, you know, was going to stay the night and everything. And so I was like, well, this will work out perfect. You can drop me off and then pick me up because he was going to stop by there, um, on the way there and the way back because it's kind of a halfway point and we get along great. We're best friends. We had, like, we can just chit chat talk forever. So it seemed kind of like an amazing idea. And so I was planning on doing this kind of last minute. So I was going to need to get some things in order and um, before I could go. So the soonest that I could, you know, technically really go was gonna be Tuesday after work. And so we start realizing that the weather report's looking pretty, pretty bad. He's also getting messages that mom's not doing great and that, you know, it's just like a combination of stuff. And so it's seeming more and more that like, it's not meant for me to go. Um, but we're still kind of like pushing through cause he, you know, we're really excited to go on this road trip and he, you know, wants a buddy. He doesn't want to go by himself. And so as we're planning it more, it just seems like the weather's getting worse. Mom's updates are getting worse. Like everything is working in the way that like, we probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. Um, and so I go to bed on Sunday night and I wake up at 12, 12, 12, 12 from a nightmare. And it is basically Knight Rider pulling me out of a vehicle, his vehicle. Um, but it's not the whole vehicle. Uh, it's part of his vehicle. And what I see right before that is that he looks over and where I was sitting is completely gone. And we were in a kind of small SUV. And what had happened was he had went around a corner, hit some ice and hit a cement barrier. And where he hit the barrier was just right at the beginning of it. So it sheared off my whole side. And I was pretty much just like separate, like it's just separate the car. Um, I woke up then at one, one, one. And at that point, um, I have woken up from a nightmare once again, where he is pulling me out of wreckage. I'm, you know, not like it's once again, he looks over and the car's just like destroyed. I'm not there. Like he's, you know, looking for me, finds me. I'm still seat belted, you know, somewhat in, but like, I'm, you know, there's no saving me. And, uh, a car had lost control and hit my side of the SUV head on. Um, and both of these were 
us being in a different car than what he was going to be planning on. And so, you know, it was just odd because I didn't even think about this. And then the last time I wake up is at 222. 222. So 1212, 111, 222. And this one is him making it safe in the Prius all the way down to his mom's house and him getting out and text messaging me and, you know, thanking me for um, him leaving early. And, you know, I don't get the full, like, clarity of this until, you know, the last night, like, last night. And he's already got there safe. But, like, I get the full message. But before, it was him just getting there by himself. And so when he got to work that morning, because we worked together... I had told him, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to go with you. I keep on having, you know, premonitions or dreams that, like, you don't make it there safe. And there's only one way that you make it there safe, and it's without me. And, you know, we start going through the scenarios. And he's like, well, what car am I driving in the first two? And I'm like, uh, that Lexus. And he's like, and what's in the last one? I'm like, the Prius. And so then we start going through it. And it's like, well, the only way I would have taken the Lexus would be if um it was really icy and snowy for like all-wheel drive but he's like i have changed so i would just take the prius plus it's a prius so it's like free gas where it would be you know having to eat some money it'd be more expensive blah blah, blah. so we start realizing that like he needs to leave then and it's like he basically got down there beating the weather um and beating the storm and it was the first time that i had had something like that happen so one thing that is very interesting is when my parents first uh were married basically my dad and mom would drive down to go see my so we start to realize that the only way that he's gonna make it down there is if I don't go with him so I start to realize that this isn't the first time that somebody in our family has had a premonition about a car accident. My mother had had a very similar one when um, she and my father were first married. And she has had some pretty accurate premonitions that, you know, they've been able to avoid some stuff. So I start to realize that a lot of this stuff is all just very inherently in both sides of my family. Not just my mother, not just my father, but both sides. And I start to also realize that there's a lot of things that I've always kind of realized that is maybe not necessarily just that I'm anxious. Maybe it's actually that I'm being intuitive and feeling things or having nightmares and things like that. So I've started to realize that a lot of things that maybe I was tuning out, I shouldn't have tuned out, and that because I was so stubborn, I had to have six guardian angels or spirit guides as well as the guardian angels to be able to kind of help me stay on this side because I, you know, kind of have some weird stuff. I also have always, you know, used the whole phrase of I am a vortex for crazy shit. So it was just super crazy because with Knight Rider having his issues with his electronics, me having my issues with my electronics, mine just keep on wanting to go to uh, the Angels and Awakening podcast and playing certain parts that kind of just were the actual words that were needing to be said. 
um, for us to be able to understand that I didn't need to go with him, that I could do everything I needed to do from where I am and that I need to focus on, you know, myself and my self care and things like that. It was just kind of a lot of things that, you know, were small little messages, but then we're like, okay, here you go. If you're not going to pay attention, we'll just like write it out for you and we'll like take over your devices. So I think that's also why I was blowing through so many different devices was because it was things kind of trying to drain the battery and energy from it so that I could be able to do what I needed to be able to do to get those messages. Um, and some of the stuff I was like gonna do as far as listening like to music or stuff like that wasn't gonna be serving me or serving the purpose that was needed. So they, in a way, just kind of decided that like, okay, well, if you're not gonna listen, we're gonna make you listen. So I thought that was pretty interesting overall to have that happen because it felt like it was a lot of things that I kind of was almost like, just make me understand this or just make me see it. And they're like, well, you asked for it, so here you go. And I can't be upset by that because I really, I saw the pain, I felt the hurt of everybody when, you know, they got that message. And it's like, you know, Knight Rider was going down there for a good deed and to try to bring a family together, not to completely try to bring uh, or tear one apart. And that would have been what would have happened, to, you know, technically. Um, so it was really tough to you know, have that all come up to light as well, because it was the first time I had actually seen my body dead, um, and seen, you know, the grief of people mourning my loss, and it's like, I have, I have a lot of people that really, really love me and care for me, and if I wasn't to be around, I know that, you know, their lives would go on and stuff like that, but I know that, there's a certain amount of, you know, things that would change. I think a lot of family members wouldn't talk. I think there would be some different stuff that would happen. And I just don't really, you know, I don't really want to know, like, all the truths that are out there. But I want to know enough to where I can basically make the decisions that I need. I also, you know, start to realize that I need to live in the light as well as the dark. And that has been something that has been pretty cool to understand because I feel like for so much of my life, I have always done, you know, living in the, you know, darkness and then dancing in the light and, you know, just having like this almost like Jekyll and Hyde type personality. But I think that's also why the entities that, can attach to me and stuff because they see somebody that isn't, you know, fully developed or isn't fully aware of their abilities. And it's almost like a little kid with a fancy sword that you can like kind of talk them out of. So I feel like for me, like now that I am aware of a lot of this stuff, there's going to be a lot of things that are not going to be able to be pulled over my eyes quite as easily. And it'll be really interesting to see how my assertiveness will start to maybe deter people. Um, and maybe I'll have to be a little bit more like Voodoo Ranger in some ways. And just kind of be more of a look back and observe and not just care about the, you know, 
good in everyone because I'm starting to realize not everyone is good. And a lot of things I think that end up attaching to me are things that I end up doing out of kindness. And people mistake my kindness for weakness. And I've had to always told to me, I've always had people tell me as well that, you know, somebody who is basically an old soul scares a lot of people, but then you get the kind of cunning people that want to test that old soul. So I think I have a lot of stuff that is up against me, but I'm pretty sure I'm ready for the challenge. I also think I am now more aware now that I know that I was tricked and that those tricksters and different entities are just totally different. What is also interesting was the other day, uh, Knight Rider and I were outside before work and he was smoking a cigarette and we see this guy coming straight towards us and he is like staggering across the street and Knight Rider, you know, talking, we're having a conversation. He can tell that like, I'm totally tuned in to what's going on with this dude. And he's like, maybe we should walk across the street. I'm like, yeah, I think this guy's gonna vomit. And like, as soon as it starts to uh, come out of my mouth that he's gonna vomit, it starts to come out of his mouth that he is actually vomiting. So we cross the street, we see him walk down the street and you know, he's stumbling, he's, he's messed up obviously um, in a few different ways. And so we're inside and we're talking and I start telling him about how my phone is getting taken over. And he's telling me how his phone was getting taken over as well. And this is all still before he's, you know, officially decided if he's gonna, you know, go or not. And he's telling me how he just keeps on having like his music playing that he was listening to by himself when he was downstairs at my house working when I wasn't helping him. And then I was telling him how I kept on having this Angel and Awakening podcast. And every time I kept on telling him that, I would get these like goosebumps going down my spine. I would feel almost like this angelic um, type of high to where it's like you're on like a body high type thing. And just like very tingly, yummy feeling. And so I'm like, man, listen to this. And so we start listening to it on like kind of a louder speaker together and then a few minutes later he gets a text message from his first client and she's wanting to know if she can get um let in the front door because there's a weird guy at the front and so we look out and it's sure enough that guy and she is like one of the sweetest people ever and so we end up talking for you know a few minutes and i've worked on her as well and so we have just these really genuine conversations um for a few minutes and you know we're both encouraging night rider at this point that like you gotta do what you gotta do for your family like and for your safety and everything and it seems like mom's getting worse it seems like time is of the essence and it seems like you need to get on the road asap for multiple different reasons and so it was really interesting how everything played out that morning because it was just a variety of different things that had happened to kind of lead up to that event so yesterday morning, I kept on thinking about Knight Rider and wanting to, you know, text message him, but also I don't want to wake him up if it's like the few hours of him sleeping or whatever it is. And he knows that like he should text message me at some point. Um, 
and let me know that he made it safe. And so it's not like he's not going to. And then sure enough, um, I get out of my first appointment yesterday and I have a text message from him and he's thanking me for everything I did and that he is just a, like three hours away at that point. And, you know, it was just a very like euphoric feeling because it was almost that same like yummy feeling um, in the spine and everything of I helped him. Like I did what I was supposed to do and it was just a very like kind of rewarding feeling. So I end up, um, you know, later that day going and just keep on hearing, you know, stuff about the different podcast um, classes that they have. And I've been going through my Reiki healing certification. I've been doing a lot of different actual certifications, if I'm to be honest lately. I just can't get enough knowledge. I just want to soak it all in. It feels like my brain has been turned on for the first time and I'm, you know, understanding things in a totally different light. But it's also almost like, you know, what I've said before, where I'm remembering who I am. So I now have feel like I've had this dark entity or past that, you know, has left me. I feel like I have like all of this openness for knowledge, strength, helping, healing, wisdom. And I also feel like it's the first time that I can like understand, you know, some of the things in my life on a deeper level. So it's been really, really, really empowering overall. But it is quite, you know, frightening and scary when you see your dead body in a car for the first time and you feel the sadness of everyone as they realize that you're gone forever. And, you know, for me, I don't really fear death for some reason, um, but I really fear what is going to happen to everybody after I'm gone. And I know that is such a selfish thing to say, but I really, really do. I wonder what is gonna happen to my my husband and you know, if we end up having kids, what will happen to our kids? What will happen to my mom and dad and you know, with the loss of a child because you know, if they were to have to bury me before I was to bury them, I don't even know how they would deal with that. Um, you know, so I mean, there's just a lot of stuff like that where it's like, for me, I need to stay around here for everybody else that needs me in their life for different reasons because my work on this earth isn't done yet apparently and that is the first time where I feel like you know a genuine happiness about being alive because I mean there's a lot of times where I've dealt with a lot of depression um, anxiety um, grief things like that and it's like I lost I've lost a lot of people in my life um, it's weird to think of how many funerals I've went to in my life of people who have died or people whose funerals I didn't go to but I was close to who have passed away. And um, I don't think a lot of people at my age should be as, you know, as exposed to grief, loss, tragedy as they have. And I think for me, that is also one reason why I have such, you know, I want to have such respect and um, understanding for the dead, but I also want every, you know, buddy to 
acknowledge, you know, their feelings for people after they pass away because I do feel like that does have people's memory live on. And I know for a lot of us, we want the pain to go away after somebody has passed. And we think the easiest way to do that is to forget them because then if we forget them, then we don't have to feel them. We don't have to know what's going on with them um, or we don't have to wonder. But I think spirit's gonna come to us in different ways. And I know for sure for me, I have had a lot of um, spiritual past type things happen that now are very clear to me that I understand and I get overwhelmed with emotions and I cry and I feel you know people's sadness I see what people see I get their feelings I get you know flashes and premonitions and things like that I get brought into almost a different dimension um and it is crazy to say all of this out loud on a recording, knowing that people will hear this and stuff like that, but it is what happens to me now that I have basically opened up my ability and I'm okay with that. And it doesn't change really who I am. A lot of my closest friends and um, family will not even know anything about this because they won't know who Marie Webb is. And I'm totally cool with that. And when people do want to come forward and, you know, understand you know maybe a little bit more I do tell them but I also know that for a lot of people it does scare them it is very frightening and I'm not telling everybody about you know what's gonna happen um in my life their life or anything like that because I don't know that but what I do know is that I'm on a journey right now it's a very frightening journey it's a very exhausting journey but I'm on one and I'm okay with going and doing whatever I need to do to be able to, I think, help the people that need help now after the very clear messages that I've gotten recently. And what is odd is I've also became more and more aware that um, being a medical medium is something that is what's happening to me. So when I do feel these severe amount of pain or tension or things like that, it's usually because I'm about to have a patient that has that type of pain. Um, and so it's being able to help me be a healer on a different level as well. It's also being able to kind of feel some of that person's grief or pain or emotional pain that goes with some of the stuff that they've had. So I feel truly blessed by all of this. And for that, I'm going to end it. Later, y'all, you witches.